You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, Episode 2. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schurm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Hello and welcome. I hope your day is fantastic. This podcast is dedicated to simplifying your health journey. While the topic of nutrition is always central to our discussion, we also dig into personal development, living a purpose-driven life, simplification, and making real and honest changes that can be sustained for life. In today's episode, we're going to dive into the reasons why the philosophy of eating less and moving more has never worked and three things you should be doing today to overcome your hunger and find the most satisfying, realistic, and healthy way to achieve lasting health and weight loss. So let's get started. For so long, we've been told to eat less and move more. This has been a philosophy that's been around my entire life. The problem for me personally is I love to eat. And so this reality of just restricting and starving and depriving yourself just seems like such a waste. This philosophy or this equation of eating less and moving more does not work. In fact, it doesn't work for anyone long term. And if it did, we would all be out of a job. I mean, what a simple equation to be able to track and do. I mean, we could all do this. But the reality is, is that there's something more ingrained in us and tuned in us. In fact, we're born with it. Let's think, for instance, a baby. You cannot console a hungry baby. Trust me. I've had three of my own girls. Very recently, I can remember the times if there's just a screaming baby or, or you go to the supermarket and you hear kids screaming and you know they're screaming out. And hunger, when a baby is small, you cannot console them if they're hungry. And same goes, if they're full, you can't feed them or force them to eat. And we can see this all the way through toddlerhood. You know, we see the parents who have their kids strapped in the high chair and they're determined that they're going to eat all of their supper and the kid just sits there in refusal. And sometimes those stubborn kids like mine could sit there for hours at a time and not touch their food. And that's such a natural and in tune principle, one that we really don't want to take away, is their natural ability to tell when they're hungry and when they're full. Unfortunately, we've lost this over the course of time simply because we've been taught differently. We've been taught to listen to external cues rather than our internal cues. And so we've lost all of our internal signaling. We've ignored it for so long that we can't even hear it. We've suppressed it so it no longer speaks to us. It's still there, but all of these other noises and all these other rules and regulations and whatever's on the cover of the next magazine has been more of a focus for us than our own bodies. And so it's getting back to listening to how our body functions and what it's trying to say. That is really where lasting health is coming from. So getting back to the motto of eating less and moving more, the problem with this motto is two things. One, it implies that health is simply a matter of willpower, that all you have to do is simply put in the effort and voila, you'll be fit. The contrary is lacking to do it just means you're simply not trying or not trying hard enough. Some would even classify those people like myself as lazy. The second reason this motto doesn't work is it's implying that all calories are equal, that 
the calories in a 100 calorie snack pack are equivalent to the calories in an apple, which we know logically is untrue. I mean, it doesn't take a nutritionist to point out the fact that broccoli is healthier than a cookie. And we all know that if we compare an avocado, which has the same calorie content to a cookie, that we know that avocado is a better choice, right? And so the reality is, is that not all calories are created equal. And we also have to know that we can't rely on willpower for lasting health. And to go back to the basics, if health were this simple, we would all do it and we would all do it well. But it doesn't work like that. Calories are more complex than the simple math equation, not to mention the complexity of our bodies. So to put this into perspective, I've built for you a fictional character named Bob, and I'm putting him through what traditional nutrition tells us to do. So Bob, he weighs around 250 pounds and decides it's time for a change. Bob buys the best-selling diet book and resolves to follow the book sample diet to a T. What he doesn't know is that that sample diet is just 1,300 calories a day, which is less than half of what he typically eats in a day. Nor does he have a firm target weight in mind. He just wants to lose weight, and the faster the better. Like most of us, we want that quick, easy fix. So the pounds seem to fly off Bob's body at first, which is pretty typical. Us women know that men tend to lose weight faster. We see this. We complain about it often. And Bob loses 24 pounds in the first six weeks. His wife even jokes that he loses a pound every time he takes a shower. In another month, Bob figures he'll be under 200 pounds for the first time since his freshman year in college. But there's something Bob doesn't know. His diet has already failed him. He's hungry all the time, so his adherence gets a little bit worse every day. He starts losing motivation, and the results just aren't worth the struggle that he's putting into it. And because he's been over 200 pounds his entire adult life, Bob is fighting his metabolism. Every day his metabolism declines, and you can see this by the loss of lean muscle mass on his body. By the time Bob finally decides enough is enough and this just isn't worth it, his hunger has overtaken and he opts out of the plan. He's already started to regain some of the weight. And guess what? His body is primed and ready to regain the rest plus a few extra pounds. I mean, we've seen this in real life, right? I don't need to make up a fictional character to state the obvious. We see this. How many dieters have we seen who've lost a whole bunch of weight and regained it and more? And then they just go on this yo-yo dieting binge where the rest of their life just seems kind of out of control with the ups and the downs. I am here to tell you enough is enough and there is a better way and it doesn't require hunger, starvation, or deprivation. So going back to the example of our friend and fictional character Bob, he is just waging war on his body's natural homeostasis, which is the tendency for your body to maintain its long-term equilibrium. What he also doesn't know is that rapid weight loss has led to a plummeting level of leptin, which is a hormone that we use to control one's weight or our hunger and fullness levels. So just to give you an idea of what leptin does, when you lose weight, leptin levels decrease which leads to an increase in hunger. You see, when leptin decreases, hunger increases. And if you don't fulfill that hunger, we're going to get that energy from somewhere, which usually leads to a loss of muscle mass. In a similar fashion, when you eat a lot, your appetite should also decrease. When we combine these effects, leptin is supposed to allow you to achieve a somewhat stable weight. However, this has an implication for weight loss. The reality is your body will fight back proportionately against your success. So the more aggressive the weight loss, the harder your body will push back and the harder it will be to succeed 
long-term. Which brings us back to willpower. You see, most of us are relying on willpower. We're trying to battle nature by eating less and moving more. But in the battle of nature versus willpower, it's over. Nature wins every single time. Your body adapts to becoming good at making the most of whatever your body does receive. We call this survival of the fittest. The honest truth is the fattest person lives the longest. And so in our body, when we're not putting in enough calories, we go into what we call starvation mode. So with this, your body takes an effort to capture every nutrient and every gram of energy it can get and start storing it as body fat. Your body would even in the moment rather break down muscle mass rather than burn body fat stores. And so survival of the fittest means that you are going to preserve and hold on to body fat stores as long as you need to. So how do we actually lose body fat stores? It comes with trust, with feeding your body enough energy that every cell in your body can do the job that it was designed to. And then and only then will it start to mobilize fat stores to be gotten rid of. Most of us go into weight loss. We want to lose all this weight so that we can achieve lasting health. But the reality is, is that we have to achieve lasting health in order to see weight loss. Just flipping the picture makes all the difference in how this can happen long term. So getting out of survival of the fittest, getting out of this starvation mode. And to make matters worse, researchers have found that restricting your food can make you irritable and uncomfortable. But who needs science to know that? I mean, we all have experienced hangry at some point in time, or maybe we know someone. I know my kids get hangry when they're too hungry. Um, My husband kind of shuts down. I get irritable. For some of us, we experience this daily. And this hunger, this intense need for food and energy and you're not providing it can actually cause a rise in cortisol, which over time can increase the storage of visceral fat cells in areas like your stomach. So basically you start to get that stomach storage around your stomach, the very place where so many people want to take it off. So the bottom line, if you're hungry, you must eat. But to do this, we have to stop viewing weight as something separate from other biological functions. We like to put weight into its own box, into its own category, as if it doesn't relate to anything else that's happening in the body. But they're all interconnected. Everything in your body is interconnected. It's kind of like one big chain. So what we must process is that the food that we eat is in direct correlation to our hormone functioning and every other system of our body. They're interrelated, they're connected, and they make a difference. So instead of counting calories, we should be focusing on the quality of food we consume. It's not the amount of food that's a problem, it's the type. Take, for instance, fat and carbohydrates. Again, going back down this path that calories matter, we've been led to believe for so long that fat is the enemy, that fat will make you fat. This has to be one of the greatest dietary myths of all time. It's completely untrue. And in fact, fat is essential. We're actually finding that we're deprived of healthy, essential fatty acids in our body, that we need them for proper functioning and for weight loss. Yes, you heard that right. We need fat in order to lose weight. So we need to be eating a decent amount of healthy fats in our diet in order to see true and lasting health. We live in this fat-phobic nation where we have more low-fat and fat-free foods on the market than we've ever had before, and yet we have more processed carbohydrates than we've ever had before. Why? Because carbohydrates per gram are less calories than fat is. So instead of paying attention to calories, we need to pay attention to how those calories are affecting our body and our metabolism, which is ultimately the key to how we can stick with this long term. You see, success doesn't come from willpower, but by creating a maintainable, positive feedback loop. 
a motivation machine that says the results that I get are worth more than the effort that I'm putting in. This tends to be the exact opposite of traditional diets that restrict and deprive us. They make us hungry and we find it difficult to lose weight, which makes it difficult to find anything positive about the program that we are on and it turns into this negative feedback loop which becomes unsustainable. But there's no denying that there's nothing positive about hunger. No one can rely on willpower forever. It's only the ignition that gets the car started. It's not the gasoline that keeps it moving. Yes, willpower is a limited resource. It's not something that we could sustain forever. And that's where habit formation, changing our mentality, changing our values, having the shift in the mentality of what we really believe about food and about calories and about fat and all the stuff that we've been led to believe is so horrible for our body. Having the shift and understanding that that is wrong and that there's a better way to live. Look around and assess who you know that's on a diet or is trying the latest fat. Is it working for them or is it not? And look around and see the people who are having sustained, lasting health. What has worked for them? More times than not, it's real, wholesome, quality nutrition that tastes good, that's satisfying, and that provides greater value for their health. And it's something that creates a positive feedback loop that they can sustain for the rest of their life. So to get to our plan of action or what we can be working on today to see lasting health, I have four things that I want you to focus on. One is to start focusing on quality of foods, thinking less about the calories and less about the grams of fat and more about the nutritional impact these foods are having on your body. Remember, it's not about calories, it's about quality. So choosing quality of foods and more of them and worrying less about how much you're eating and worrying more about being well-fed on the right foods. Number two is to make what you eat satisfying. I hear so often and I get emails all the time about people's diets and not loving them. And you know, when I ask and when I dig, why are you doing this? And does it taste good? Is this satisfying to you? More times than not, people say no. And that is heartbreaking to me. My purpose in the kitchen is to make really delicious and indulgent food healthy and enjoyable and flavorful and taste good. Now what we have to remember in all of this is that some of our most satisfying foods are also our most calorie dense food. But when we stop worrying about calories and we go back to quality, we can understand that it's okay to put a little bit of real butter on your broccoli to make it taste better. We all know that fat is flavorful, that fat provides satiety, that it's rich and we crave it. And that's okay, don't dismiss that fact. It's okay to drizzle olive oil on things or to put a creamy dressing on your salad or to cut up avocados on top of your tacos. That is all good and well and it's actually going to help you to become more satisfied with that. So enjoy the food that you eat. Number three, is to eat enough. It's not about hunger. In fact, if you're hungry, I can assure you, you're doing something wrong. How often do we hear of people who said, I was good all day and then I came home and I just binged. I ate whatever I could get my hands on. I was starving. I was ravenous. I go to bed hungry. I wake up starving. Those are all bad signs that you're not eating enough and you're definitely not eating enough quality of food. Remember, it is better to be well-fed on quality of foods than it is to be underfed on anything. 
We need energy for every cell in our body to work. And if they aren't working, and if we aren't providing the energy, then something isn't working as it should. And we see our body start to fail or slack in certain areas, and we become fatigued and tired and overwhelmed and exhausted, and we start lacking joy. Remember, energy is good, and we need it, and we need enough of the right energy. And if we take in too much, our body should be efficient at getting rid of what it doesn't need. And number four, never eat a macronutrient alone. This means that you should never eat a carbohydrate or a protein or a fat by themselves. It's just not satisfying enough. One of the ways our body becomes satisfied is by eating a variety of foods at the same time. That's why having a meal tends to be a lot more satisfying than just having a snack because when we snack, most people just reach for an apple or they just reach for a few nuts or they just reach for a granola bar. But those things in themselves are just not satisfying enough. Sure, we all know that an apple is good, but let's be honest, if I gave you an apple at the beginning of the lesson and I asked you at the end, are you full, are you satisfied? More than likely, you would say no. You might not be hungry, but are you truly satisfied? And the answer would be no, because carbohydrates are digested so quickly and they tend to be more of our filler foods and not have a great amount of flavor that our bodies just aren't as satisfied with them alone. Now it's perfectly acceptable to eat, but maybe adding nut butter with that or having fruit and cheese, we can start to see these common pairings coming together. And there's a very biological reason that we pair foods together and it's simply because it's satisfying. And if our bodies are more satisfied, we tend to eat less. So we have to eat more and eat more of the right foods in order for us to naturally eat less without the symptoms of deprivation, starvation, and hunger. We create a natural positive feedback loop that can be sustained for the rest of your life. So those are your four tips. I hope you take them and apply them to your life. And please let me know, how has this lesson changed your philosophy on what calories mean to you and how this new pattern of just choosing quality of foods, what does that do to change the course of your life and the course of where your health is going? So I'd love to hear from you. Let me know, what do you believe about calories and how has this lesson helped shape you to make better choices in the future to help create that life of lasting health that can be sustained forever? We're talking realistic, enjoyable health, not something that's depriving you or something that you dread doing, but something that you can do for the rest of your life and something that you can spread to others. So send me an email, leave a comment on Facebook, send me a message on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. And make sure you check out the blog. It's full of healthy and delicious recipes. I know it's a great start to making healthy changes in your life. They're focused more on quality foods, not on the quantity of the foods. And so I never put the nutritional profile of the foods on there. And it's simply just to get you to hone more into what quality of foods and how they taste and how delicious they can be. So you can find it all at simplerootswellness.com slash 002. Finally, if you could do one thing for me, I would greatly appreciate it. If you've yet to rate the podcast, I hope you'll do so soon. This actually helps keep the podcast visible and findable by new people. If you give it a five-star rating and leave a review, I'll be sure and mention you by name in an upcoming episode as a small way to say thanks. To rate and review the podcast, just visit simplerootswellness.com slash iTunes or simplerootswellness.com slash Stitcher. Thanks for tuning in and I'll look forward to another great episode next week.